Hello, and welcome to episode 53 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Right you are, Zach. Mm -hmm. We are just highly sophisticated gentlemen drinking the most sophisticated of beverages and discussing, of course, Magic the Gathering, specifically Magic the Gathering Arena. Yes, the most sophisticated of ways to play Magic. Hmm... Uh, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff, the, the new uh, vampire set just came out, and uh, well, there was a wedding, and it was it was glorious, really. And uh, mm -hmm. I just felt like we should be a bit fancier this week, so I'm drinking this fine glass of red wine. Mm. <laughs> I too have a fine glass of red. Wine. Oh, just delicious. Mm. Very. Not that swill that we normally drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excited to introduce our listeners to a whole new class of beverage. Yes, exactly. Um, obviously, I don't actually feel that way about wine. I like wine, and uh, <laughs> it's not any better or worse than beer. It's just different. Um, but, of course... Each week we both bring a wine, we drink our own wine, and that's it. Uh, we did not want to buy two bottles of wine each, so we both got our own bottle of wine and we are going to drink that one and uh, not accidentally drink two bottles of wine in the episode, because that could so happen. We felt like it was, just, it was just asking for trouble. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, Jeff, would you like to introduce us to the wine that you have picked? Of course. So... I have Diabolica Red. It is a red wine from Diabolica Wines, which uh, is local here in Ontario. And it's a blend of many things, including Merlot, Dornfelder, Gamay Noir, Chamboursin, and Cabernet Franc. Ah, I see. A mix of the bloodlines. Ah, interesting. Oh. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, but I picked it because it has a little devil uh, on the bottle. Oh, perfect. Uh, Diabolica is, is the name of the wine. So uh, it felt somewhat Innistrad themed. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I have also picked a wine that is Innistrad themed. Um, I am drinking Red Knot by uh, Shingleback, which is, uh, this is the Shiraz of their Red Knot uh, kind of grouping. It's 14% and um, it is made in McLaren Vale in Australia. Uh, if the Shiraz did not tip you off um, from the Australia. Uh, but yeah, so Red Knot, they're tying the Red Knot, get it? It's, uh, it's a wedding, it's a wedding wine. It's a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense, it's the thing. Um, but yeah, anyway, if you're not familiar with wines, um, I know some things, Jeff knows, how much, you know stuff? Nothing. Perfect. Yeah, it's okay to say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why mine is a blend of random stuff. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what's also great is that you don't have to know much about it to drink it. <laughs> Certainly true. <laughs> Not necessarily. I don't know if your enjoyment will be different, but like, you know, you, you can still drink it. <laughs> it's still alcohol. Yeah, exactly. In, in fact, there might be a wider variety of wines I can enjoy. You yeah. Know, I can see. enjoy an individual one as deeply, but I can enjoy almost any of them. Yes. Um, all right, so we might get into more wine talk later, but um, it is also different tonight because we're only drinking our own wine. Uh, so maybe we won't be so intense about uh, rating it. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> the more I drink it, the more I'll be like, ah, we got to talk about these wines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so magic news. The set came out. Hooray! Uh, we've been playing it uh, this whole weekend, and we're going to talk about it tonight. Because this is our first Sips episode, yeah. uh, where we finally get to play the new set and talk about our first thoughts. Uh, so, Jeff, should we just jump right into things? Yeah, let, let's jump in. Um, where do you want to start? Just overall overall feel? Just the beginning. How was the wedding for you? Did you like the wedding? Was it was it a good affair? <laughs> oh, I loved, I loved it. Mm -hmm. I mean... I was a bit of a belligerent guest, I might, I, mean, <laughs> uh, I must confess, but uh, in the end, I got what I needed out of it. Good. So. Nice. <laughs> um, I have also enjoyed it quite a bit, um, as like one would with the new Magic set. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's ever a new Magic set where I play it and be like, this sucks. I don't like this at all. I just don't yeah, know. Yeah, you that's never hate it immediately, right? Yeah, I just... <laughs> it, it, uh, to be fair, I don't think I really hate any set. It's just some I like more than others. No, no. Um, but no, this has been great. My uh, my wedding experience has been mixed. Uh, I've had I've met some good people and I've met some really bad people. Uh, more so in the um, I have <laughs> played well and played very badly, and then even worse, and then <laughs> just it's been going down. <laughs> You're trending the wrong direction there. Yeah, so it's not so much that um, I don't like the wedding, it's more that uh, I'm just not good at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that translates into anything, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm good at weddings. How do you feel, does it feel different than, than Midnight Hunt? That's a, I think that's a big question for this set, because... Sometimes it does feel like you're opening the same packs, but at the same time, the draft mm -hmm. format is just super different. Yeah, totally. So the draft format's very different. And I would just say even from a flavor standpoint, uh, like, I don't know what the numbers are on this. I didn't actually check. But mm -hmm. just playing it, this feels like a vampire set to me. Yeah. Because there's blood tokens everywhere. And, they're, you know, almost every game contains a vampire or... Uh, close to or something and so where midnight hunt kind of didn't make you feel like it was a werewolf set mm -hmm. this one i think does a little better job of making you just have that feeling in the back of your head that this is a vampire set um, so it definitely feels different than midnight hunt yeah yeah i think that the the focus on the day and night thing isn't as strong it's really only on the werewolf cards where in midnight hunt right. it was on like other cards that would care about day and night switching which is kind of an interesting thing. Um, but no, I, I agree that the blood tokens really help the feel of like you're at this wedding. And, you know, the feel of it just being like a festivity. And there's a lot of just funny kind of jokey cards in this one, which adds a little bit of fun to it, which I like. Totally. And I feel like there's just tons of cards that just incidentally make a blood token or something to kind of up the number of even if there's not that many actual vampires relative to some other creature types, there's a ton of cards that are vampire-themed. Yeah, exactly. Also, just random things that do just make blood tokens. Like um, that the common white uh, uh, pacifism spell. Like, when you exile the creature, it makes a blood token, just kind of randomly. And you're like, oh, interesting. Right. Like, it just it does seem like a thing that's just tacked on in some places. So you just get them from random stuff sometimes. But yeah, as far as like draft archetypes go, how have you been finding, how are they like 
different? Are we going to the same colors as we were in Midnight Hunt? Um, what seems strong? What seems horrible? <laughs> like, really, can we play werewolves? Is that a, a card, like a type that we can play now? Or are we still kind of off the werewolves train? That's a good question. I think a lot of people have just been avoiding werewolves because they were so bad yeah. in, uh, in Midnight Hunt that people are just going to let other people decide you know, do the practice to see if they don't suck in this. Yeah, figure it out uh, for themselves. And the other side of that coin, I know I've, I've mentioned this to you. I don't think you noticed it in your drafts, but in mine, there's been so much blue-black that I think people are just so used to drafting blue-black zombies for Midnight Hunt that a lot mm. of them are tending more towards that in this. And I, I did a draft with blue-black, and it went horribly. I think I got one win. And then I drafted something else. Uh, I think it was the other way around. I drafted red-black first. I got to seven wins, and I beat blue-black like five or six times. So mm -hmm. uh, it just felt like blue-black maybe is not good, or at least it's not as obvious how to draft it. Um, I Yes, that's that's also been my situation, where I haven't... Uh, I don't feel like I've played against it as much as you have, but I definitely tried to play it, and I had a bad time. A very bad time. <laughs> uh... I did. The, I tried to do the the wretched throng thing, um, yeah, yeah, and it was the throng idea. You just don't uh, don't do that. Ah, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just it's horrible. Um, I, I I didn't have enough of them, but also I just think it's not good. You don't want your deck full of this mm -hmm. card, especially when it feels bad when you draw them. Like that's horrible. Yeah, it kind of feels like maybe just like. Exploit is really powerful, but maybe you just don't have the time to do that. You really uh, don't. Every game. Because it's like the throng thing. Just like if you're choosing between um, the Wretched Throng or the Doom Dissenter, pick the Doom Dissenter every single time. It's so much better. Mm. Because Doom Dissenter is great. Yeah, because if the only reason you're having it in your deck is to sacrifice it and then have another creature to sacrifice later, do Doom Dissenter. Like, it's... It's just you don't have to waste any time. But then time. you can't get the chain, man. You can't chain it into, like, five of them. Yeah, but then you have to put five of them in your deck. And then, like, your starting <laughs> hand is three of them. So then you're like, sweet, I I can go get the other two. And then you keep drawing lands for the rest of the game. I don't know. It's just, it's not good. I, I don't like it. Yeah, I've played against some throng decks that did not impress me. Some guy, I think, even managed to get, one of my opponents even managed to get, like, four but it mm -hmm. just didn't matter because you were just casting two mana two ones and I never cared that you were doing that. So. Yeah. It's like, cool. Um, like, I just, it doesn't matter to me. I, I was really thinking exploit was going to be so strong and some mm -hmm. of the common exploit cards I'm just not super impressed with. Um, so. Yeah, I haven't been t uh, as impressed with it as I thought I was going to be either. Yeah. I do have a green-white deck that I drafted and I haven't played a game with it yet, but I'm excited to see how that goes. Cause Ooh. Let's get my training on, you know? Yeah. Are you doing, like, the human thing, or is it um, mainly just the counter It's a stuff? human sub-theme, because okay. I had a couple of those guys that whenever you get a counter on a human, you draw a card. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the five drops, right? The green ones? Yeah, the five drop with training. I, I had played one draft where I was doing the kind of, like, white-green uh, human matters deck, because I had that enchantment, mm -hmm. the, the four-mana green one, that when they die, you draw a card. Uh, and then if it's a human, or, yeah, if it's a human, you draw a card, and if it had a plus one, plus one counter, you gain two life. Um, and that ended up going 
pretty well. I, I did actually think the four mana do nothing enchantment worked out pretty well <laughs> in that situation. Nice. Um, <laughs> which I don't always feel that way. Or I feel that way until I play it and then I'm really upset. Um, but having that as like, you know, one drop, two drop train into three drop, four drop this thing, then mm -hmm. trade one for one with everything and draw a bunch of cards, felt good. So That seems pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, how is that bad? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like green-white's just always at least solid. You mm -hmm. know, it's been a while since green-white was, like, the unplayable draft combo because it's just fine creatures, you know, and that's always going to be okay. Yeah, I also think it's because green-white is always the plus-one-plus-one counter theme, and because draft can be so, like, uh, it really matters what your stats are on your cards. Being able to change the stats forever is just kind of good. Yeah, plus-one-plus-one plus one counters are good. Yeah, draft. it's just, that's just what it is. So... Um, that does make it quite interesting because I wouldn't normally think that. And I just think inherently it's because that's always the theme that they, it gets. You can't really go wrong with it. So I, I did want to ask, um, how do you feel about boarded window? Have you, uh, played with that card at all? I don't even know what it does. So it's a, it's, it's a three mana artifact, uh, that says creatures, uh, sorry, uh, creatures attacking you get minus one, minus zero, and then at the beginning of each end step, if you were dealt four more damage this turn, you exile Boarded Window. Um, huh. It seems like a really horrible card. I'm like, looking at it in draft, I've passed a ton of them and been like, this card looks like trash. It looks not great. Um, but I have seen some board states that people are posting online, and it's just like, live in the dream. And it's like three or four Boarded Windows. And then like oh, <laughs> nobody can deal any damage, and they can't deal any damage to them. You like you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you have a couple of them on the battlefield, it just like they, you know, all their two twos are just like o twos, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just seems awesome. <laughs> so that's one of my dreams. My draft dream is to like play a ton of boarded windows and make it so that like I just have this weird prison deck that I have to beat them with flyers or something somehow but so uh, they just like lava axe you and you lose all your boarded windows yeah so then you know there there is that um do we have a lava <laughs> axe type card in the set we have that one that deals four but does it deal it to a, a player as well i can't remember i don't the, think so i think most of the removal seems to not go face yeah and is like not as great as the last set right right i mean do, do you think so do you agree that like the the efficient removal at least isn't like stacked in black yeah yeah i think the removal in the last set was like above Bonkers, par for right what we should expect uh and this one is back to kind of normal yeah right like there's still a lot in red and there's the black removal you're right is definitely worse on mm -hmm. average like there's just not three super efficient ones they did the more usual like good removal for small stuff medium-sized removal that gets almost everything and then expensive removal that does hit everything comes with like random upside yeah it, instead of uh one two and three kill anything basically you know <laughs> exactly it's the more the more typical like one or two then a, then a four and then a six yeah you know? um so i feel better about that it it, <laughs> it um <laughs> it also makes me feel like you know i felt like the last set you couldn't really play red at all and now i feel like red's back on the table um and i like the the flame blessed bolt really uh the exile really matters there's a lot of stuff that you're yeah. like mm, please just 
go away forever. Yeah, I guess this time it's red that got all the like efficient removal because they got that and a braid both at common, mm-hmm. Which, and then some pretty good uncommon ones too. Yeah, so I I think. I think the big thing in the werewolf deck, which I haven't really played it or seen it either, because I think you're right, like people are just avoiding it completely. But the the mm-hmm. child of the pack, that uh, the uncommon for that, just seems very good compared to the other ones. Yeah, like, that, that card's a house for sure. Right? And then the other one, like I would see the, the, the two mana lord from the last mm-hmm. set. And be like, yeah, you know, I don't really care. But this can just sit there and, like, block and just poop out a bunch of wolves and then make them strong, which is just all you want to do. Like, awesome. I like that. Yeah, like, even if it only makes one wolf, you're happy with that, right? Mm -hmm. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of power and toughness off one card. Happy about it. Like that. It flips into, like, a 5-5 with Trample. Love it. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I still have a lot to explore with this set. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a pretty happy place right now. Yeah. I, I predicted the best color pair was black, white, and I have yet to play with or against it. So I have no new data for you on that. Oh, on man. That front I did. Shot that I took, but I played black, white and sealed. Um, and it <laughs> wasn't really, it was just kind of like good stuff, but wasn't really like the life gain things. Um, okay. It was just kind of like cards that I had and removal and, things and i went at, i ended up going like five and three so um it wasn't horrible i did try the bride's goom, groom sorry bride's groom fuck oh yeah the i'm just i'm one like i'm almost done with this glass of wine wine really just goes like it just disappears whenever i have it <laughs> in a glass i'm like where did it all go it's just gone now um, so this well, remember when sometimes we drink like nine percent beers on the show and afterwards we're like man that hits you harder than a five percent or so yeah so yeah, n- just think of it as like a 14 percent beer yeah except for it's so much easier to drink because it, you don't get full at all it just goes straight through yeah anyway uh bride's gown and groom's uh whatever it's called the his suit um that's a weird uh finery groom's finery um those two e- equipment things so i had that in my sealed and i was like okay well if i'm ever gonna do this and it's ever gonna be kind of okay you gotta gotta try it right um it is funny because for the most part they're horrible um and when you even when you get them together it's awkward i don't know if this is a story thing that they're trying to tell us because so basically if you don't know these are equipments that uh the cryptic creature gets plus two plus zero and then it gets an additional plus zero plus two uh and has a, a keyword if um you also have the other equipment that's attached to another creature so the idea is like you have the creature that's dressed like the bride and the creature that's dressed like the groom um mm-hmm. but the keywords that they give are death touch and first strike and those cards are really those abilities are really good with each other on the same creature mm-hmm. So really, what I did was I would put them on one super creature that's a first strike death toucher, and it's like a creature that's wearing a gown and a suit at the same time. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and, and that's like plus four, plus four. Yeah, and, and, and first strike death touch, and like just like can't block. And like, or they don't know how first strike death touch works, and so they would triple block it, and I'd be like, oh, sorry. <laughs> that sucks to yeah, me. You don't want to triple block it. Uh, so I got a couple, uh, a couple like cheesy wins that way. Um, 
but it, it just seems like a weird flavor thing where it's like, are you, are they trying to tell me that Olivia wears like both, like she is the bride and the groom. Like she's kind of marrying herself because she doesn't care about Edgar and she just woke him up just so just for the name. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if I'm reading way too deep into no, this. No, I think story. they just, they wanted it, I think they wanted it to be on different creatures, and then the play was just too bad that they were like, fine, we'll let you equip the same creature with it. Yeah. But I bet the original design was like, if this is equipped to another creature you control, then... Yeah, that's, that's probably right. Um, but in any case, they're much better if you suit up and gown up together on the same creature. Which is kind of how equipment works, right? Like, you often want to load it all up on the same thing. Exactly. Uh, so, so yeah, that's what I feel about those. But other than that, like, I don't think you should really play these. Like, I was not impressed. <laughs> no. I was pretty I... Up- upset most of the time having them. It sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like... Yeah, plus two, plus oh for, like, four mana. It's just not enough, I don't think. Like, maybe I like the bride's gown more because you could put it on a flyer. And I would be more interested in that, but be the you know the finery being in black, like I just don't care as much. And right. there are other whites usually more interested in equipment than exactly black is. Um, but that's my little story about those <laughs> equipment. Uh, <laughs> but of course, I'm going to try out the the thing that's going to try to make you two for one yourself. Because why wouldn't you want to do that? It's so fun. Of course, yeah, yeah, <laughs> two, two for yeah. one yourself. <laughs> Although speaking of. Uh... <laughs> Of the limited format. There is a card that we have to talk about because it's getting a lot of press currently. And that would be Avabrook Caretaker. Now here you have some experience with this card. Yeah. Do you want me to tell the story about that card too? Fuck, I have so many horrible stories. Um, If you don't know Avabrook Caretaker, we talked about it in the last episode, but it's this freaking bomb, mythic, unbeatable card. All right, so... It's just like the six mana four four with hex proof, but then at the beginning of combat, you get to put two plus one plus one counters on another target creature, and then if it flips, you just start throwing them everywhere. You put them counters on everything, and everything has hex proof. Like if right. this thing and flips, it's a six, six. yeah, and it's a six six. If this thing flips, you just and you only have removal spells. Like you can't make it daytime unless you kill all your creatures. Like it's just ridiculous. Um, you, you yeah, you have. To, I've heard of people like killing their own two creatures to flip it back exactly just then it's like you still just lose and then you it. just lose <laughs> so uh turn six uh my opponent plays this card into they already had two uh like kind of dorky we're at parody they had some dorky white creatures out uh they're playing green white and they slam ava brook caretaker i'm like oh this sucks but i think i can i'll be okay uh because i'll just kill all their other creatures and then i'll just manage that the turn right after that they play this freaking white enchantment, Sigarda's Summons, which is four white white for the enchantment. And it says, creatures you control with plus one plus one counters on them have base power and toughness four four, have flying, and are angels. And so literally Averbrook is just putting counters for free onto creatures, turning them into angels and flying over me. I can't even chump block. Like, I can't do anything. I'm like, well, fuck this. I can't... I, uh, and then, and then, like, of course, after that, they're never playing any other card because they're like, I just want it to be night. And then, like, yeah, I couldn't do anything. It was the worst. I was so upset. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, like, it was like, that's pretty sick. I can't believe you got both of those bomb, awesome cards. Um, Cigar to Summons obviously isn't as good because uh, it needs some setup. Averbrook needs no setup. Um, ah, that's not true. One yeah. other creature would be helpful, but... 
uh, yeah, that, that, that was rough. So watch out for, um, uh, both of those cards. I don't know. <laughs> Constructed level combos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In limited. Uh, <laughs> ugh, that was a rough one. So, um, if you have any crazy, horrible draft stories, um, please find us on Twitter and tell us because I need somebody to help me feel better about my my limited experience <laughs> yeah. right now because it's going pretty poorly. Um, <laughs> but only the bad ones. I don't want you to tell me how good you did on something. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. Just share in my misery about how horrible you're doing. They're going to post screenshots of them playing against you. <laughs> it's literally the person who was like, hey, check out, I got this combo on this stupid idiot. And it's yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> God, that would be terrible. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Jeff, what is what what bad things have happened to you recently? <laughs> uh, I don't know. In limited, most things are going great. Um, but if we want to talk about bad things that have been happening to me, that that could transition us over to constructed here. Ooh, I have some more stories about constructed too. But I'm excited to hear what you, what horrible things happened to you. What's going on? That has just been a total disaster for me. So I've tried so many different decks like i built like let's just say i put together five just random decks that i was excited about you know it's just like build this deck and then build another one and then as i acquire cards for them like you know get impatient craft it all and jump into the queues Oof. and uh i think like there was one night when i did this and i kept trying new decks and playing at least three matches with with each of them and I think I, lo- I must have lost, like, 15 matches in a row. Oh, like, it, it was some unbelievable, like, my decks weren't that good, but I also was drawing really poorly. And, like, I would always have one game out of every match that was just an auto loss because, like, I just did not draw anything of use. Mulligan to, like, four or whatever. So that was just one of those nights. But I was losing to whatever. Like, you name it, like, like, Abzan venture into the dungeon yeah. with my ass. Like, <laughs> uh, there was a one deck that I will always remember because it was... I don't think I'll ever forget that I lost to this deck because it was Grixis, Zombies slash Vampires. That one, that one pounded me pretty good. Wow. <laughs> it's literally just like two half tribal decks slapped together <laughs> and with no, with no apparent overlapping synergy. I'm still wondering why this was the case. Like, I honestly wonder if they just opened, like, 50 Crimson Vow packs and got some good zombies and some good vampires and, like, built that deck. But that, too, owed me real quick. So uh, let's just say that I have been unable to win. In that deck, do you think that they were running the Necro Duality, the the four-mana blue enchantment that, like, doubles your zombies? I didn't see it, but I sure hope so. Oh, yeah. Because if you half your deck is vampires, you have to play a card that doubles your zombies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So, okay, so what decks there were you... There was the vampire land, too, and they couldn't cast their zombies. <laughs> uh, Just add blue to a Mardu deck, really. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so what um, what decks were you building? What, what did not work? What, what were the ones that were terrible? <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, again, I tried pretty much everything. I tried, like, just green-based mid-range decks, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm, where I'm going to start. And I built a whole bunch of those, um, basically trying to make the card mulch. Uh, Happen. Just okay. build decks around mulch uh, and, you know, figure out various ways to do that. So the first one I did was a reanimator deck. 
that was a lot of fun, but it was not good. So yeah. uh, that one quickly got shelved. And then I switched to more of a landfall thing, you know, trying to do the Brandon Seven, uh, Mulch, mm-hmm. uh, with Felidar Retreat, yeah. and like Lotus Cobra and stuff. And that one I thought had a lot of potential, but I don't know, I seemed to lost, lose every match with that too. So then I switched to like blue-white control with like Teferis <laughs> and untapping <laughs> stuff and some of the new like blue cards that thought could be pretty good and lost with that mm-hmm. so i was trying some different stuff um but i didn't play anything that was you know obviously tier one or even like vamp vampire aggro or something i think and maybe it could have s- snuck out a few wins if i just played with, an aggro deck yeah um that's interesting this is actually the first constructed season in a long time where i'm actually brewing something um which is nice. Like, it's different to be not just playing a uh, deck list that I'm looking up, which is like, mm-hmm. it's a new little experiment for me. I like it. I'm, 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 uh, I'm excited. Uh, so I am, I said this last episode, and it is happening. I am working on my blue-white auras deck in standard. It's, it's we we're making it. <laughs> um, and it hasn't, it, it's been varying success rates, um, but it hasn't been as horrible as I thought uh originally um which i'm you know kind of happy with uh, but kind of the same thing you were saying is that i'm not really playing against meta decks though so i don't know how it's actually measuring up i'm just uh mm-hmm. countering people's spells and then they concede to me i'm like well i didn't really i didn't actually play the deck the way that it's supposed to be played it's kind of like you know trying to be uh, it's a little bit slower trying to do like some tempo stuff um i actually I'm using so this is the deck that I wanted to do with um, the uh, Storm Chaser Drake Storm Chaser. Wait, is that right? I don't. I should know the name it's, of the card. It's Storm something. <laughs> it's close to that. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's close to that. It's it is Storm Chaser Drake. Yeah. Storm Chaser Drake. Okay, so Storm Chaser Drake, um, and then I do have a couple of the mischievous Catgeist uh, cards, which is the Curiosity, um, and everything you know costs a bit more, so it's a little bit um, obviously more expensive, but. Faithful Mending has been really helpful in the deck oh. because most of the time you're just you have all these creatures that are auras and you want them in the graveyard. So you end up Faithful Mending at the end of their end step after you held up like a counterspell and then dump your auras in the yard for right. next turn to play them. So it's actually hasn't been horrible and I've been having a, a pretty good time. Uh, though I do get people scoop like it's not it doesn't hit really hard because there aren't a lot of good auras that pump your creature they just give them abilities <laughs> like i can give right. my 2-1 double strike i guess <laughs> which is like good but like not that good take four uh, yeah <laughs> yeah fuck yeah and then i draw two cards uh, you know that's nice if it has both of those on but it's a lot of work for uh, something that is easily uh disrupted so i'm waiting to lose a lot with it and then maybe give up later but at the moment it hasn't <laughs> been horrible but mainly because people will uh scoop if you they'll scoop people the match tempo yeah they'll scoop the match if you get them with um jawari disruption so i'm taking a, a page out of your book i'm playing for jawari disruption so yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh what creatures do you like play other than the drake or the ones that are uh enchantments on the backside um none just just okay. yeah either the drake or um i'm playing uh dorothea dorothea uh mm-hmm. which is the azorius one that uh 
it's the two mana four four that dies if it does anything um but it also is like just right it's like the geist of saint trapped kind of kind thing. of yeah and then from the graveyard you get to uh make a attack right it's four, geist four. of saint trapped's angel i guess is the idea yeah the angel that he summons um and she is actually kind of nice because it is a two mana way to block uh goldspan dragon there's the reason i was thinking is like i can just leave it there <laughs> until i might need to block with it um, or attack the turn I play the Storm Chaser Drake, and then the turn after that uh, I can play it on the Storm Chaser and then hit for uh, six. But mm -hmm. it's um, it's it's all right. Like a lot of <laughs> it's not exactly something you want to put a bunch of auras on though. No, <laughs> you definitely don't want to put any auras on it. That's why you're totally fine with it dying because you want the aura side, mm -hmm. and so. Getting either blocking something that like trading with a creature is awesome, or getting four damage in, in a control match is also awesome. So, right or fine, yeah, it'd be better obviously if it stayed around for a long time. Put, but put some pressure on, you know. Yeah, um, so I will keep everyone posted with how that's going uh, later on. But uh, but yeah, Jeff, we've we've been talking for a bit, and we do need to get to some worthless slots. Do you have any last thoughts before we take a a wine break? Uh, yeah, the only thing I wanted to mention about um, Standard is that there were actually a couple of big tournaments over the weekend. Oh, you're In right. In particular, there was, there was the um, Red Bull Untapped, uh, whatever whatever version of that it was this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and the results were, I don't know, interesting at the very least, but basically they were dominated by Mono White. Um, I didn't remember the Mono White part, but I do remember that... Uh, uh, Alrun's Epiphany is kind of not uh, losing favor, like that card specifically, not necessarily the the blue um, blue red decks. Uh, right. But people are less interested yeah. in Alrun's Epiphany and more interested in the uh, the Kraken, right? Right. Yeah. A lot of people switched to just is it control? Mm -hmm. um, I know. I saw Seth Manfield did that. He he did pretty well in the Red Bull tournament. But yeah, he top eighted, you know, right? He could have done well with pretty much any deck. So that's true. I don't know what that if that's saying much. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is hard to get that uh, information. But the whole Breaker Horror um, is just kind of replacing Aura's Epiphany in some like in varying degrees. Maybe a couple copies as like a different control yeah. finisher, um, which is an interesting. I wonder if Wizards was like, well let's wait until Crimson Vow comes out and they see this card and play with it, and then we won't have to ban the extra turn card. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so mostly the metagame, other than you know that key difference in what you're saying, the Izzet decks kind of got shaken up a bit. Mm -hmm. the dragons didn't do very well, and this Izzet control did really well, and then the Izzet turns did, like, medium. Yeah. Um, but Mono White just stormed it with like almost 60% win rate. And it was just exactly the Mono White decks from before, but with Thalia in them now. So, <laughs> Wow. Uh, that's awesome. I did not see that. And that makes me want to just give up on my brew and play Mono White. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one deck I did want to highlight that showed up. In, let's see if I have the numbers here. 44 decks on the weekend mm -hmm. okay and it had a win rate of 52 percent rakdos vampires baby yeah all right there you go um brand new one so that was your shot right are you taking a shot right now for that 
<laughs> Maybe we'll let it stabilize for a little bit, and then we'll decide. That yeah, yeah, it it's too early. It, to it might that. be too early. It just uh, spiked a tournament, maybe. But all I'm saying is it's it's in the green on MTG data for the week. All so right, well. That's always a good sign. Uh, and I just need to try to get auras on uh, the other section, just with the cat, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it can be listed. Maybe they'll replace the cat with a Storm Chaser drink. Yeah, that'd be great. Or the kitten. You know, they should replace the cat with the... the, the oh, yeah, 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 there you go. Uh, the little, uh, the curiosity kitten. Uh, but yeah, all right. So with that, let us take a wine break um, and uh, get to our worth of slots. So I guess we should just make like a, a wine bottle sound because we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, whatever. We can't crack beers today. We're not drinking beer. Um, yeah, I, I could be. We can, but. Yeah, I, I guess we could make beer cracking sounds, but it wouldn't make sense. Um, yeah, I'm just plowing <laughs> through this bottle, man. This might have been a, a horrible choice. <laughs> I do feel fancy for for now until my mouth is just purple and um, I'm just you know I'm completely out of it. Um, how's your? How do? You, let's just talk about the wine a little bit. How's your bottle? Do you like it? Uh, it's a little sweet for my taste. Gotcha. Okay. But, um, that's yeah. All right, I see it. Yeah, uh, it's growing on me. Yeah, I I'm happy that I got the one with the cool name. Um, but as far as the actual wine goes, it is uh, not as bold as I was hoping. I really like it when it um, makes your mouth dry and like just rips your taste buds basically. Uh, so this is very for sure. It's deep and dark and purple, but um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Maybe they'll get you some clues on what we're going to rate this. I don't even have a scale for this. <laughs> Just, <Yeah. laughs> the scale will be like, would you bring this to the wedding? <laughs> be like, yeah, I mean, probably. <laughs> it's wine. Anyway. Um, yeah. Jeff, let's jump into our worth a slot segment. And uh, we, we could use a refresher because it's been a, you know, a month since we've done this. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been at least a few days. Yeah. Uh, so, Jeff, what is our worth a slot segment? Okay, in our worth a slot segment, we're going to talk about upcoming cards that excite us, um, but we're going to do it in a little bit of a formulaic way here. We're going to pick three cards that we think have a chance at making it in standard, and that's in three different categories. The first is a layup, so we're pretty sure, like, we're sure it's that this will see some play in standard. Then there's a three-pointer, which is it could see play, but, you know, it's not a guarantee. And a half-court shot, which is yeah, pretty pretty unlikely to see play. <laughs> uh, but we really want them to, is mostly what that one's about. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we're going to pick two cards that people are either... Well, one that people are overrating and one that people are underrating during the preview season. That's right. Um, and Jeff, who, who should start? Who, who wants to start with our layups? What are you thinking? Do you have one locked and loaded? I have a few options, so... Um, I'll let you, you get the first layup and then I'll pick one. If you pick one of mine, I'll just, we'll pick that one. All right. That, that, uh, that makes some sense. And, uh, I also have a few kind of, uh, that I've been thinking about. So as I'm, uh, deciding exactly which one I'm going to pick, um, I'll, I'll just kind of ramble a little bit as I'm still looking for it. <laughs> as um, we tend to do. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's not an exact science, obviously. 
Um, but my layup, I really think that um, this card has been seeing a lot of play already. Um, and there was talk about it replacing other cards in existing decks. And I don't really exactly see why it wouldn't see play. Um, but this is uh, Maniform Hellkite. Uh, two red red for a 4-4 dragon with flying. And it says whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create an XX red dragon illusion creature token with flying and haste. Or X is the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. Exile that token at the beginning of the next end step. Um, this is just one of those things where uh, we already have this sweet dragon deck that we saw at Worlds uh, that used a bunch of cards that were non-creatures that would be really strong and big if they were <laughs> cast or made into these dragon tokens. Uh, so I think it just hits hard and fast and it's not the same mana value as a Goldspan dragon, which is always a thumbs up. And, right, um, it's not competing with Goldspan. So that's that's great, and it can you can just cast a ton of stuff, and it doesn't do it only once each turn, which is huge, because apparently every other card in this set only does something once each turn, which is so irritating. Uh, so I think that <laughs> this will continue to see play in um, uh, Is It Dragons, and uh, the ones that are not switching to this like uh, Whole Breacher uh, horror thing. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to see play and uh yeah yeah i mean that it's a great card that was one of my my options as well for this layup <clears throat> i think even like you could see a mono red dragons type thing emerge where it's like dragon egg this and some gold spans and then everything else is a spell and, and the reason to do that is maybe even to make use of chandra which uh, mm -hmm. kind of wants you to be mostly red oh that's or true entirely red that, that is something I didn't think of, but that makes a lot of sense because there are a couple other like mono red-ish cards that I would have wanted to see in this. Um, mm -hmm. I think mainly what I was thinking of was uh, a flashbacked memory deluge or a Auron's Epiphany would really make a great dragon creature. So Yep, that's definitely true. Uh. <laughs> yes, um, so that was where I was initially going, but I like this mono red spells idea, dragon spells. Um, pretty pretty uh pretty interesting stuff yeah i i would i was like gonna consider throwing that together and then i was like that's a lot of mythic rare wild cards though to spend yeah right away so maybe i'll collect a little bit more of the set before i attempt that that is how i felt about the vampires deck i wanted to build so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i also really wanted to build tokens but then i was like i don't know if i want to use mythic rare wild cards on kaya let's just see if i pick some up <laughs> yeah yeah i i feel the same way about planeswalkers but that's usually just because i don't love playing planeswalkers even though they're really good <laughs> anyway uh it's not the time to talk about that but it is the time <laughs> to talk about what jeff's layup is going to be for this set all right well you took the one that i had that was actually interesting the other two i had in mind are we've already talked about them and they just have already made an impact so i'll go with the slightly less obvious one i okay. think and All right. I'm just going to go with Hullbreaker Horror. All right. This is my layup. This card is going to change the way control decks are played. It is a control finisher um, that kind of harkens back to some of the old classic control finishers like Pearl Lake Ancient and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, this card is, yeah, five blue blue flash for a seven eight Kraken Horror. It can't be countered, which is huge. And whenever you cast a spell, you choose up to one, return a spell you don't control to its owner's hand, or return a non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. Um, so yeah, you just kind of... Control finishers that don't make you tap out are always 
really hard to deal with because it means they can hold up a counter spell and this and then decide when you when you do something they get to decide whether they need to counter it or tap out for their win condition um, and then this one's obviously just an absolute monster at seven eight um it blocks the the land oh like, shit really cleanly too oh, so yeah that's it right. just blocks everything that doesn't fly so and it can you know really take over the board once you untap with it um so this thing's just going to be around for probably its entire tenure in standard yeah i agree um it will fit into the is it control deck it goes in you know azorius it goes in demir um this card's nuts also because it gets through the hermit druid stuff hermit druid sorry not hermit druid the other hermit the um the the blue one that turns into the uh the the one that makes it so you're no one can counter your spells and leer too because right, right. this just bounces the the spells back to their hand which is... yeah it doesn't counter spells but it kind of it divides them by zero if you will exactly uh which i think is huge because there if it would counter stuff there are other ways that these other decks would deal with it and now it's like what do you do how do you deal with this card like yeah i mean it feels like if they untap with this you're just not going to resolve anything for the rest of the game exactly they have a seven eight and your board is gone you know like yeah i guess besides your lands but um yeah uh this card seems just rough uh so yeah it definitely will be around uh, uh for a long time <laughs> exactly what you just said Ugh. it's hard because like it hurts me to say that because i know it's i know it to be true but i just don't <laughs> i just don't want to deal with it and i haven't even dealt with it really at all yet but i just i know it's going to be something that's going to hurt me um but maybe i'll join the dark side you know maybe i'll have to uh to play this card because uh, it's so good also it's only a rare so it's easier to craft for those people that uh, who have been playing for a while and have a lot of rare wild cards, because if you start, that, that's actually, yeah, that's actually true. Because I didn't play this in my blue white control build because I just assumed it was a mythic rare and didn't want to craft it. <laughs> if I'd not. known it was a rare, I would have played four, three yeah. or four of these. Exactly. But, um, but going to my three pointer, um, I'm gonna jump on a little bit of. I don't know if I'm gonna step on your toes through all this, but like whatever, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I like stepping on yeah. toes. I got steel-toed <laughs> shoes on. Whatever. I have a very specific one I want to, to do here. So. All right. Um, maybe... Oh, shit. I'm, I I don't know. I don't think this is it. I don't think you're going to talk about this card. But um, who knows? I'm just going to talk about it. Uh, so this is a legendary creature. Anya, made of dishonor. Two black red. Is that it? Is that the card? It's not it, but I love that card. So I love <sighs> okay. <it>. All right. <laughs> I, I thought for a second. So Anya, Made of Dishonor, seems like a card that Jeff would have picked for his three-pointer um, because it's two black red, which is Jeff's new favorite color combination. That's uh, true. It's I'm a, a Rakdos person now. Yeah. There's no denying it. It's a, it's a four or five vampire, and whenever Anya, Made of Dishonor, and or one or more other vampires enter the battlefield under your control, you create a blood token. This triggers only once each turn, just to make it so it doesn't go, just to go, go crazy with it. Um, but the important ability is you can pay two generic mana to sacrifice another creature or a blood token, and each opponent loses two life, and you gain two life, which is awesome. So I think if, like, Rakdos Vampires is going to be a deck, this card is a, like, there's a lot of competing four drops, I think, 
Um, cause you do have like Edgar charmed groom and then there's the, the five, six, the black one, uh, with, with a few others as well. Um, but this one's really nice because it can deal, uh, it can be a finisher without combat, uh, which is going to be huge and getting to churn through your deck, either using the blood tokens to draw extra cards and get rid of other ones that you don't want, or by literally just spamming the board with creatures and just sacking them. And also having like your massacre, um, uh, meat hook massacres to deal like you're sacrificing creatures so you're dealing even more damage. Um, I think this card is going to True. see uh, some play. If I think it's going to be a card that goes into vampires if vampires is a top tier deck. Um, so yeah, I don't think this is one that you can get rid of. It's uh, definitely worth keeping around. Yeah, I wasn't sure about this card, um, but. I know I've been watching like Gab Nassif play vampires mm -hmm. and he basically just cannot lose with the deck that he built. But when he started, he had just one of all the different four drops you could play. So it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, one of these, one Soren, one blood vial purveyor, one, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of options, like you said. And mm -hmm. so you just played one of each and then it slowly kind of started to become clear that this one was the one you wanted because your vampires deck actually has a lot of lands uh, in the late game because Florian, the most common scenario is that you attack and then you just play a land because you uh, don't have any mana left. Mm -hmm. And so Florian's like netting you lands every turn. And so it's not that uncommon to just like play this and drain immediately. Um, but usually basically he would cast this and then if his opponent could not immediately kill it, they would die because they'd be at four or six life mm -hmm. and, and then, at that point in the game. And this would be just, they'd stabilize the board and then this comes down and now they have to find a removal spell immediately. immediately. Because, yeah, either yeah. that turn, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I've even just played this in Sealed or Limited. I can't remember which one it was, but um, I came down and I was like, ah, I don't think it's that big a deal. And then it was like, oh no, shit, the game's over, like immediately. Like I had, and I felt, I was like at yeah. 12. And it was like, yeah. oh no, 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 you're screwed. My entire turn is just sacking everything I have. Um, right. So. Yeah, I thought it, maybe it was a bit too like slow or clunky just on an initial read, but after mm -hmm. watching it actually play, like on the battlefield, I'm like, oh no, it's just, really strong yeah which uh yeah I, that's exactly how i feel um that i thought absolutely nothing of it uh and then playing against it or seeing it on the battlefield was like oh shit no this is really good so um i'm hoping it'll make it into there because it is a really interesting card and it's fun to see a character who was a this was a character who was initially um, a commander card coming into the oh, okay. uh same with edgar obviously but um anya mm -hmm. was a madness commander so uh, it's cool to see uh, Anya in a standard set doing something else. So, which also has discardy yep. things, but not really. So, anyway, yeah. Uh, what are you thinking for your uh, three pointer? All right. So this is the card that all of my bad mulch decks were built around, uh, other than mulch, of course. Mm -hmm. And it's the card that I will almost certainly continue to build bad decks around for the rest of time. But I do believe that somebody will be able to build after playing with it. I believe somebody will be able to build a deck with this card that is good. And so the card I've selected for my three-point shot is Cultivator Colossus. Oh, it's right. Four green, green, green. For a plant beast, it's star, star. 
Trample. Its power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control, and when it enters the battlefield, you put a land from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. If you do, draw a card and repeat that process. So whenever my decks did work, it was like an absolute, you know, forgive the pun, landslide victory. <laughs> you would just, like, reanimate this on turn five and draw... 12 cards off it while putting lands into like your hand is now full of seven spells and you have 13 or 14 lands on the battlefield and this thing is gigantic so even if they killed this because the big problem about reanimators like you know i bring back gristlebrand your mm -hmm. go and then they're like i kill gristlebrand <laughs> and then you you didn't do anything yeah whereas this would be like yeah well i untap with seven cards seven spells in hand and 14 lands on the battlefield so i can probably still beat you even if you kill it yeah um so this card is just there obviously is the floor where like you play all your lands and then you cast those and you don't have any lands in your hand and it's just like a big seven seven mm -hmm. but i think the upside if you build around it especially with ren and seven being in the metagame because it's so sweet to plus ren put four lands into your hand and then drop this oh gosh and obviously in mulch okay i see it yeah so this card's been a lot of fun and i love it and i think it actually like when the all the things came together, I would annihilate people. It's just that my build of the deck didn't have the right split of, like, removal. I wasn't playing any, like, Asika's Chariot. Probably I'll you just ditch the whole, like, reanimator plan and play a much more, like, Asika's Chariot into Ren and Seven kind of thing. Mm -hmm. it, it's probably, like, it really is should be a Ren and Seven deck, and then you, uh, you have what, add these other cards around it, but... Yeah, I was building it to, with the new cards in mind, but I think eventually if, like, green... If mid-range decks are a thing at all, then the green mid-range deck that goes over the top of them will probably have this at the top end. Interesting. Uh, I love that you picked this for a three-pointer because I was initially going to talk about this, how uh, I thought it was an overrated card. Um, and then I had <laughs> changed my mind uh, because I read it again and was like, you know what, I don't think that's the one I want to talk about for that. Um, but it was on the, my list of overrated cards, so it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I just I didn't realize anyone else rated it highly. I thought I was the only one. It was, uh, <laughs> it, I, and I because I was thinking back, and it was much more of like a commander player thing where people had thought that it goes mm. infinite with some things that it doesn't go infinite with um, that aren't on arena, so it doesn't even matter for us. Um, which is why I was feeling that way. And then I was remembering like, oh yeah, actually, as far as like arena goes, no one was really talking about this in standard. So um, it does seem like a, a sweet play. And I, I think you're right. Just, you know, slamming it and getting every land that you can, that's on the top of your library, essentially onto the battlefield seems mm -hmm. uh, really awesome and, it's, and drawing a shit ton of cards. It's also amazing if you already have Lotus Cobra in play when you play mm -hmm. this, because then... <laughs> You like redraw and generate like five or six mana. So that sounds sick. That's so sick. Um, oh, <laughs> that's the dream. That's the dream. That's a good dream. It's a good dream to have. I, I like that quite a bit. Um, all right, Jeff. Half court shots. You ready for these crazy wild ones? Yeah, and it's funny because you were talking talking about it maybe being overrated because I was like, I was thinking about maybe having this as my half court shot. So. <laughs> <laughs> So but I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it the respect it deserves. I'm going to push it up to <laughs> three the three-pointer. Um, yeah, not that I don't think it's like... I, I didn't think it was good. I just thought it was like... People were way... Thought it was like the most broken thing ever. 
And I was like, I don't think it's right. that. But um, anyway, it doesn't matter because that was also a different format. My half court shot. Um, I didn't talk about it earlier, but I am going to circle back to the brew that I'm making. And this is a card that I think is really important for that deck. And I want this to see play. I think it actually, it's the linchpin. It actually is the piece that is really important. Um, so this is Catilda Dawnheart Martyr. So this is after Catilda dies, she turns into this spirit and now she's like a spirit and then turns into an enchantment like all the other disturbed cards in the set. So it's one white white for a star star spirit warlock who has flying lifelink and protection from vampires, which isn't that important, but who knows? Maybe it will be important. Um, and it says, uh, Catilda Donhart Martyr's power and toughness are each equal to the number of permanents you control that are spirits and or enchantments. And then it has disturbed for three white white for an enchantment that does the same thing. And then it exiles and blah, 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 whatever. Um, basically, this is the card in the Auras deck that I'm trying to build that gives a punch. This is the only thing that's like, you know what? Fuck you. Now you're dead. Like everything else is just like, hey, I'm a 2-1 flyer for a while. Maybe I draw cards. Hey, maybe I got a plus one plus one uh, from something else. And then you dump this into your yard and you throw it on. And then it's like, oh, never mind. Now you're going to get hit with, you know, 11 lifelink damage in the air. So um, I think the big thing with this is that it gives... Uh, the, the thing that's interesting, it's very similar to um, well, All That Glitters. Uh, from Theros, which is a big card in Auras uh, in other uh, in, in Historic. So this is the other version. Uh, it doesn't do artifacts, just as enchantments, but it also does spirits, which is kind of strange. Um, uh -huh. But the fact that it gives evasion and lifelink with it is helpful. Now, it is a really steep cost to pay five, and I do think that that is a huge downside, and that's what makes this whole deck like two turns slower than it should be. Um, right. which kind of makes it not, it makes it more of this tempo deck where you're trying to counter the right things before you decide to deploy the, the win condition. Um, so it gives it a little bit of a different feel, but this is the only card in standard that can give you any sort of aura punch that's like worth playing. And, uh, and so that's mm -hmm. why I think it is, I, I don't know if it's going to get there, but I want it to get there. And <laughs> that's it. That is my, my pitch about Catilda. Yeah, I mean, like, even just the creature part kind of gives you the <clears throat> the wrong half, I guess, of Core Spirit Dancer. But it gives you the half of Core Spirit Dancer that, like, really gets buffed by the auras. Yeah, it does more, the... More than usual. If they're together on top of the Storm Chaser uh, Drake, then you have built your own. It only costs seven mana. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it definitely, I was going to say the, all that glitters thing is, is what's been missing from something like this for a while. And even if this is an expensive way to do it, I mean, if it's the only way to do it, then you don't really have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, the interesting thing also with it is that you can play Katilda and also enchant Katilda with Katilda. Um, so right. you get double, which is not great but also just it, it comes up sometimes where you draw another it's legendary and you're like well mm -hmm. i need a creature this is a, a three drop creature that i can play that is a whatever the battlefield is and then uh, just double whatever it has um so not the best but it is a fail safe 
uh, condition. Um, I think this card got a lot better when I started playing Faithful Mending in that deck. Uh, just being able to dump it and have a target to be like, yeah, this can go in the yard. I'm fine with this being in the yard. Uh, really pushed out a lot of other cards I was trying. So, yeah. Though it does kind of make you think, oh, maybe I should just be a spirit token deck instead. <laughs> right, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there is a little bit of that, but uh, hey, who who uh, who knows? Um, I just hope, I really hope that it gets there. Anyway, Jeff. Yeah, you got to stick true to your aura roots. You know, like, <laughs> might as well. Um, uh, but, Jeff, what's your half-court shot? What are you, you're shooting for the moon. What's the card? <laughs> All right, so... This is actually right next to the one you chose on the mm. card image gallery, so I thought that was interesting. But uh, <laughs> this is a card I only found out about, essentially, uh, yesterday. Um, but now I wanted to see if it could actually <clears throat> do something in All right. standard. So we're going to be talking about Faithbound Judge. Fuck yeah. This is <laughs> one white, white. For a 4-4 Spirit Soldier with Defender Flying and Vigilance. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if it has two or fewer Judgment Counters on it, put a Judgment Counter on it. And then if it has three or more Judgment Counters on it, it can attack as though it didn't have Defender. So it's basically like a 4-4 Flying Vigilance that can't attack for three turns. Mm -hmm. um, which I admit is a rough start. Um, but it only costs three mana, so it's very good on defense. It's true. But the back half, it has Disturb. So Disturb is seven mana, and here's where things get interesting. Okay, so the back half is a curse, and it enchants a player, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you put a Judgment Counter on Sinner's Judgment. Then if there are three or more Judgment Counters on it, Enchanted Player loses the game. <laughs> so uh, I love it. I'm a sucker for alternate win cons, no matter how many hoops they make, you have to jump through in order to get them to win. And this one seems plausible that you do some sort of what you know these decks everyone hates including myself but i would love to be on the other side of it that's like a mono white prison deck mm -hmm. and it's win con is literally to just slap this on you and then lock you out of doing anything that's what i want to be to be a thing so <laughs> mono white prison i um i love that i love this card i've tried to i i crafted this card to try to play in my auras deck just as a sideboard card specifically against extra turns decks because if you put the aura on them and they take too many extra turns they die <laughs> which i thought would be the funniest thing <laughs> the ultimate irony yeah like fuck you <laughs> you you copy that spell too many times you're dead um i knew that it would never happen but wait a minute wait when does it trigger does it trigger on like my upkeep or on their upkeep it, at the beginning of your oh is it my upkeep oh no wonder that wouldn't have worked Oh, I think you're right. The beginning of your... Oh, that's a bummer. Oh. I thought it was like your upkeep because the aura is Yeah, it's enchanting the player, right? Yeah. But it says... Like that you, we own it, so it's our Enchanted upkeep, player loses the game. And it doesn't say, oh, I just had a realization that's so sad. Oh, that would have <laughs> been so cool. <laughs> but anyways, anyways. The, new, the new game plan is blue-white, and we play this with Alrun's Epiphany. And so we take all the turns. We take all the turns. Oh, okay. I like, and then just like sacrifice the birds to something. Or I guess they just sit there. But um, yeah, just don't even attack them. Even though you could just kill mm -hmm. them with the birds, you want to yeah. kill them with the sinner's judgments. Exactly. Um, all right, I'm down for that plan. Let's do that. And we can play faithful mending to throw it in the yard to play it uh, faster. 
Perfect. Perfect. I love it. Oh, those feel so good. Um, all right. I love, <laughs> I love our worth is lot segment. It's so fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> but let's talk about some overrated cards. Uh, something that people were like freaking out about at the beginning of spoiler season and uh, you think are going to be very not the the sauce. I don't know. Is that a saying? Is is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, sure. Let's say it is. Yeah. Um, this one's kind of old. I don't know if uh, it really counts anymore as being uh, overrated. But uh, at the time, it was 100% overrated. And it felt like it blew up and everyone was like, oh my god, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be the, the new life oh life is gonna be this now um i just want to talk about alchemist gambit real quick does everyone remember this it's one red red for a sorcery with cleave and it says take an extra turn after this one during that turn damage can't be prevented and then in brackets at the beginning of that uh turns end step you lose the game and then you exile alchemist's gambit the cleave cost is four blue blue red so it's an is it card that gives you an extra turn but it does the normal, like, kind of Borosy red card thing where you... Sorry, I'm pouring more wine. That's why... Because uh, uh, why not? It's so easy to just drink wine. Uh, you don't have to... Wine not. Yeah, wine not. Uh, take a crazy chance. Wine not. Uh, do a silly dance. Anyway, that's like a Lizzie McGuire song. I don't know why I'm talking right now. Anyway, <laughs> Alchemist Gambit. This is just a card that people were freaking out about saying it's it's like more Auron's Epiphanies. Like, oh my god, I can't believe that Extra Turns gets more Extra Turns in this set. Blah, 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 blah. This card's trash. Like, <laughs> no one's playing this card. Like, are you kidding? Uh, no. I Like, maybe if you want, if you need... Like, this is just a worse Extra Turn card that costs the same. And maybe you there's a corner case where you might play it for the three mana, but like no, this card's not good. Like, yeah, I like I don't like calling it another Allrun's Epiphany because it's just completely different than Allrun's Epiphany. Yeah. Um, it's it's le- it's definitely worse for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this incentivizes you to be really aggressive, right? Yeah. This wants to go in like maybe you would play this in the Dragons version where you can just like gold span and then play this in the same turn and they're dead somehow yeah or you play this because then you at least get a three three flyer with your mana flare uh dragon uh sorry mana form something like that right like that deck maybe wants this Mm -hmm. Uh, i still think you would probably just play allerin's epiphany i think part of the thing that you know some of the hype behind this was everyone was operating under the assumption that epiphany was going to get banned and so this would be like the replacement extra turn spell uh, but I think if the Izzet decks are playing this instead of Allrun's Epiphany, then they're going to be terrible. So yeah, yeah, I wasn't high on this card. I do think it could see some amount of play in this really aggressive Dragons deck as like a I kill you one turn faster card. Yeah, but I even think that's a bit of a long shot. Like they'll mostly probably do that, and it's kind of cute. But usually they would have won those games anyways without this card. Like yeah, this this card is like a half court shot. That's that's really what it is. Like. I don't see it being... But people were treating it like a layup, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, not to be, not to say that people also, you know, were saying, hey, this card actually sucks at the same time, which is always how overrated cards happen. But sure, this, this yeah. the discourse was insane. I was, and, it, it, I don't know, it just seemed like there's, there's no, there's 
almost no way that this card does anything. So um, I'm really happy that Allruns Epiphany is almost falling out of favor and we're, we have something else to be mad at, um, which is great. That's kind of how the churn works, right? Like you, everyone's calling for bans and then this card comes in and then it's, it doesn't even matter that the other card isn't banned because no one's really playing it anymore or like they kind of are or whatever. Like that's magic. So um, I'm curious if anything happened to this card, you know, like it's about to go to the file and people are complaining about Allrun's Epiphany and they're like, you know what, just make the Cleave Cost cast like an extra blue and a one or some shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, like, maybe they just added red to the Cleave Cost because it would have been really interesting if it was just a blue Cleave Cost. I guess none of the other ones are like that, right. so they probably didn't do that, but um, I wonder if we see that in the future. Anyway, um, that card's dumb. <laughs> uh, I, I, Flash forward one month from now. I can't believe they printed Alchemist Gambit. Yeah. It's so obviously broken. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna win like the fucking. I knew Nistrat right away it was yeah. the best. <laughs> well, yeah, no, we never do that here. We're very honest with our mistakes. <laughs> All right, what's your what's your overrated card? All right, so the card that I think is overrated. Um, you know, it's just a dorky creature, and, like, everyone was talking about it like it's going to, you know, flip the entire metagame on its head. So, uh, I don't know. My card is uh, Thalia, Guardian of Thrabit. No, <laughs> That's the wrong one. Hold on. <laughs> that one's properly rated as amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's Blood Vile Purveyor. As much as it mm -hmm. pains me to say it, I want a card like this to be good, but cards like this just aren't good anymore. And everyone's like, oh, look at how huge this is. It's amazing. It attacks for like six or seven or whatever. And I'm like, that's great, but I don't think it's ever going to attack because they're going to kill it for like one mana or two mana mm -hmm. or something, you know? So I get that it survives a lot of the red removal, which is what a lot of people are playing right now, but it still just gets hit by the one mana bounce spell. It still gets divided by zero. It still gets hit by every black spell they have yeah basically it will deal two damage and to it, them because they have to play the uh the you lose two life to kill the thing <laughs> <laughs> and and not only not only does it not do anything on its way in it actually gives them a blood token when they kill it mm -hmm. so it's like it's actually the opposite of an etb and these days you have to play creatures that do something on the way in because they're just going to get dealt with on end step. So you, you need to have gained some amount of value from them. Yeah. Even if we gained a blood token, that would make me so much happier about this card. Um, if it was like when you, it enters the battlefield, you get a blood token. Um, but yeah, just as it is, it's just a big dummy. And big dummies aren't good enough unless your whole game plan revolves around them, like mono green. Mm -hmm. And I don't see a deck where this would fit into i guess yeah um i think i don't think i feel as intense about this as you i would probably still try this out because i love a clean <laughs> a clean block against a goldspan dragon but um the the fact that it is errated so this is important for everyone that, that knows this card um do we read this card by the way did you read it do you want to read it all right, so it's uh, Blood Vile Purveyor, two black, black. It's a five, six vampire with flying and trample. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, that player creates a blood token. Whenever Blood Vile Purveyor attacks, it gets plus one, plus O oh for each blood token defending player controls. Yeah, and the, the oracle text says until end of turn. 
Um, right. So a lot of people were super uh, freaking out because they were thinking, oh, shit, this card is like the new arena card. People are going to start making it so you have to only play arena and, and, and like that's the what this card does and it you can't keep track of its power and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I forgot about that nonsense. No cards are ever templated like this, yeah. so it's just obviously an error. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it's one of those things that, like, I saw a lot of discourse about that and people being like, holy shit, this card's fucking crazy because it's just going to get huge. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but no, that's not true. Uh, it won't get huge, and it will be, like you said, kind of just like a... Uh, you know, if, if it gets to stick on the battlefield, it'll be annoying. Um, and it could kill you, but like, you're right. It, it will soak up removal very well and uh, kind of do nothing. You get to pay four mana for nothing. It just feels so bad that it gets. it's just going to get nailed by Fading Hope. Yeah. And that's rough. So, like... Get them a blood token for their trouble. Exactly. While instead, for four mana, you could instead play Anya, and then you get your mm -hmm. own blood token. So, there right. you go. And that's what I mean. It, it has to do at least something on the way in, yeah. I feel like, in today's game. Or if there were some sort of crazy fast black aggro deck, maybe. But even then, I would hope to have a top-end card that does something immediately. Yeah, for sure. So, um, no, I, I think I'm on the same track as you, that uh, this one definitely was crazy overhyped. Like, And I still see people playing it like now on stream. They have decks built around that and stuff. I'm like, it's just not what today's game is about, unfortunately, because I would love for that card to be good. But it's not. Sorry. But I just don't see it. I also don't see it. Um, now we're moving into some underrated cards. Things that we think, uh, you know, they're not getting the props that they deserve. And um, while I do want to keep talking about my Auras deck, because it's the only thing I really know <laughs> what's going on at all. Uh, <laughs> those are my main uh, cards. Um so the thing, the card that I think that is super underrated is Storm Chaser Drake. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I know I talk about mono white all the time, but the card that I think is underrated is, and I, I I'm wondering if it can fit in there. There's a lot of stuff going on in that deck, um, but anytime you can smack in a card that is not three mana amazing i love to add cards that are not free mana into to mono white um and there are some things going on i'm just going to say what the card is because i'm just going to keep talking about how i think it's going to impact it but cemetery protector which is two white white for a three four human soldier with flash which is super important but when it enters the battlefield you get to exile a card from a graveyard and then whenever you play a land or cast a spell that shares a card type with the exiled card, you create a 1-1 one, one white human creature token. So I kind of like the situation that Mono White is kind of getting into where there are the, these like flash cards. I think there's three of them right now. You can play this or you can play Guardian of Faith or you can play um, the the War God from um, uh, Kaldheim. That like exiles one of their their attacking or blocking creatures. Mm. Um, it's like Sigrid. Sigrid, yeah. I was gonna say Sigarda, but that's not right. So Sigrid, yeah. I know. I kept thinking that too, and I'm like, nope, that's it's not it. That's not that's it. It's, it's not that. Um, but Cemetery Protector is this interesting thing where 
I do think it is probably correct to always try to take a land whenever you do this so that you never have draws where you don't get anything. Like, Mono White likes to have lots of little creatures, and there are some really good pump effects or, or anthem effects that are in standard right now. So having a way to have this weird late game, either you hold up your protection spell or you hold up this, play this at their, their end step, untap, you get to attack with it, or whenever you're just like at the end of the game and you're only drawing lands, at least every time you play a land, you get a 1-1 one, one that is probably, could become a 2-2 two, two later or do some different things. So um, I think it might do some more work than we're giving it credit. Now, um, in its cycle, it's probably on the lower end. Ah, no, that's not true. I think it's probably one of the better ones. I'm not super high on a lot of the cemetery cycle. Um, Actually, most of the other cemetery cards were in consideration for overrated slot for me. Yeah. Because um, I think people think they're amazing, and I think they're pretty good. Yeah. I, th like, I, I think... Not good enough to crack the, the format. Exactly. Um, because I think I, I've played with this one, and I really did like having it. Um, because of that exact scenario where, like, you never have the stupid situation. If it's on the battlefield... You don't have the, the the draw step that does nothing. Like, if you draw land, you always get a 1-1 one, one out of it, um, which can be yeah. really big at that stage of the game. Most of the time, you're trying to just get in a few more points of damage, and not having just blank draws is huge. Yeah, I mean, one thing is um, it, it's not trivial for there to be a land in the graveyard in this format because there's, you know, there's no fabled passages and people aren't doing a lot of self-milling but uh it's also like worth noting that sometimes you'll just flash this in it's a three four and mm -hmm. you'll hit their memory deluge out of their graveyard and then they don't get to cast their memory deluge the second time and maybe they have no cards in hand you know and they were relying on that to refuel kind of thing so like the exiling a card is just incidentally going to be good a lot of the time and then like you're saying if it's not good for any particular reason you just pick a land or or i guess if you had like five creatures in your hand maybe you could pick a creature and just like absolutely go to town but yeah i'm imagining normally uh, as the mono white deck when you cast this card you're kind of out of gas exactly so you're just kind of trying to guarantee that whatever you draw for the rest of the game does something like you were saying. Yeah, you're right that um, it's not just trivial that lands will be in the graveyard because in mono white, you're not going to be playing your, um, you're not going to play Evolving Wilds. Like that card's just like death to you. Like I guess they have to kill your Fabled Passage yes, probably. That's, that's what I was going to say is that you can be a little bit more reckless with your Fabled Passage because if it's in the graveyard, then you know that you have some value from it, um, mm -hmm. which I don't know if that's a great play, um, because I think Fabled Passage is just so strong against board wipes. Sorry, face, Faceless, faceless Haven. Haven. What, what did I say? Not Fabled Passage. Oh. We were both saying Fabled no. <laughs> Passage without thinking of Faceless Haven. Yeah, we're sorry. We're talking about Faceless Haven. So, um, yes, Faceless Haven is fantastic, uh, and I don't know if it's great purposely trying to get it in the yard just to do this, but, uh, in any case, I think that it's going to be underrated as far as the cemetery, uh, cycle goes, and I think it's probably second or third. I would say of those. So yeah, I like the idea of this card in my, like this idea in my mind I have of the blue white tempo deck where you Paolo their card and then can't counter it with the one mana counter. Mm -hmm. um, 
this this also was part of my picture of that too just as like a a beefy flash threat in a tempo deck is always nice really because i also think this uh could be fun in your reanimator deck if you could fit white in there double white so that when you play all the lands <laughs> you just make a fuck ton of one ones and that's or maybe in my mono white prison deck you know? yeah there you go okay with the the faithbound judge it could probably work yeah. out um but anyway jeff do you have a uh underrated card that you'd like to share with us <clears throat> all right so for my choice for underrated card, I, I chose an interesting one because it's kind of surprising to me that it's underrated, but I haven't seen anyone talking about it, so I'm just going to throw it out there. And this is Hamlet Vanguard. So this is two and a green for a human warrior. One, one. It has ward two, but it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it for each other non-token human you control. I don't know. This just seems like love struck beast with ward two to me in the right deck like, <laughs> if you build green white humans and you curve out then this is just a five five ward two and for three isn't that just ridiculous no i didn't think and about even that. if it's like a three three ward two for three that's not the worst um, no it seems fine but yeah i mean turn one play some dork turn two play thalia turn three play this yuck that's the thing. There are a lot of good humans in green and white, too, especially in this set and, and just in the format in general. A lot of the cards you want to play already are humans. Yeah. The only thing that the big problem with with green-white humans is that um, the one-drop spirit is not a human, and it's the best white one-drop. Um, but there's some like there's some good one-drop humans in this set. Yeah. So. The Hopeful Initiate I also thought was pretty good. Um, especially with the plus one, plus one counter totally. thing. So uh, I would be happy to see that uh, as well as like um, the Anthem, the adversary, the white adversary, that's a human. Um, you get to play Paolo. Um, I think there's some good stuff. Yeah. And then there's like the green white legend in this set too, that has training and makes one, one humans with training. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. I feel like if you had a mostly white deck splash green, and this is kind of your payoff, one of your payoffs for being in the, in the human's tribe is that you just get like a three mana five, five ward two. Mm -hmm. Seems kind of crazy. And it can go beyond that, right? Like if, if you play it on turn four, it could be a seven, seven. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The double plus one plus one counters is crazy. Um, yeah. I, I think I like that. I, I'm not a big like plus one plus one counters fan. Actually, plus one plus one counters and humans tend to be my least favorite things because... Well, number one, why are you playing a fantasy game if you're playing humans? And two... <laughs> to win, Zach, to win. But to, to, to play, like, human tribal. Like, human cards are fine, but, like, human tribal always makes me laugh because it's like, you could be playing dragons. Like, you could be playing zombies, vampires, werewolves. <laughs> yeah. you could, there's so many things that you could play, but you decided to be just the, your neighborhood guy, you know? Um uh, <laughs> this is the lawnmower savior, you know, and he just <laughs> drinks his Bud Light and he likes his football team. Oh, that sounds great. Where do I get my hands on this? <laughs> Actually, no, that sounds kind of fun. Like we have like a fantasy football <laughs> card game, except for each player that's the the card is a person that plays fantasy football. <laughs> so there, yeah. it's just a bunch of like dads and, <laughs> and like <Yeah. laughs> married guys. <laughs> I like that. I would play that game for I'd sure. I'd play that. Uh, they probably wouldn't have human tribal in that game because everyone would be a human. 
unless it like branched out but uh anyway have like event cards like you drank too many beers and made a horrible trade (laughs) (laughs) you lose your best player um (laughs) you know you have to switch your best player with their like most medium player (laughs) yeah oh gosh uh, should we start a game company? Should we build this game? I think it would be hilarious. Yeah, I think I think we have to. Now. All right, maybe we'll make that a goal for like a Patreon or something. Like, hey, if we get this, I'm sure the NFL have no problem giving us rights and stuff. Oh so. well, we won't really talk about the NFL. We'll just say like it's you know we can fudge that right. We'll use the same colors, but it won't be the same symbols. But you know, Smart. Um, <laughs> like it'll be the Buffalo Bills, but the bill is actually like a, a phone bill or something. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh anyway um <laughs> did we finish our worth a slot segment these wines are fucking me up man we sure did all right let's go to last call because i i need to get cut off man i've never felt like i never had to get cut off before but i think it's time on the show <laughs> all right let's let's cut you off <laughs> all right jeff you ready like wait how did i do that Yeah, kind of like that. Um, we don't have any corks. Corks are the real sound of wine. Um, but, you know, people have decided that corks are, um, what is it, not uh, not trendy? I don't think that's it. I think it's more like corks are, like, Jeff, have you ever had this happen to you where you're at a party and there's a glass of wine, or sorry, there's a bottle of wine and you can't open it because no one has a corkscrew? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that happens often, right? At least at college parties and stuff. Um, so now, instead, they just give you screw caps, which um, take the elegance out of the wine, um, I will say, but um, but it does make it more convenient. So, um, And technically, technically, the seal is better after you've opened it, if it's a twist top. So, I was going to say that. I always assumed it was for resealing, and I was like, well, what's the point of that? Because who's doing that? Exactly, yeah. Most of the time, like... <laughs> I put the cork on the top so that nothing gets in it while I drink it that night. Right. But uh, I'm going to drink the whole bottle in one sitting. And the other thing is part of the fun of those parties is trying to come up with creative ways to remove that cork. That's true. So have you tried the one where you stick it in the shoe and then you bang the shoe against the wall? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's like... Of corks. (laughs) That's Um, like the college... (laughs) That's like the shifty college kid... uh, wine opening yeah you know, well 101 because now you see the tiktok stuff where it's like oh all you have to do is t- drill a screw into the top and then take a hammer and pull it out <laughs> yeah. you know but i don't think you understand the situation that i was in <laughs> like we didn't have either of those tools so like i didn't have a screw yeah. like you would have to i was un- in a college dorm why would i have a power drill like so there are some that are like oh you you uh you do a blowtorch on it and then you crack the top <laughs> off or something with like metal or whatever. I'm like, I don't have it. Maybe I have a candle. Like, I don't know. Like the shoe thing was close. So have you ever been able to open a bottle with a shoe? Uh, I haven't, but okay. I've heard legend of, of it. Okay. So I've, I've also heard legend of it, but I've never seen it happen myself. So um, mm-hmm. I, I still think it's an urban legend. Well, well, does that depend? If the whole neck cracks off, does that consider opening it um if you purposely meant to break the neck so that you could pour it yes that's fine if you were trying to bang it against something and it happened to break open because the neck broke off 
and there's shards of glass everywhere, I'd feel less inclined to say that you actually then did no, it. Then no, I've never succeeded. All right, all right, there you go. Um, yeah, the one thing with wine is you can't saber the top of it off. Uh, uh, it has to be a champagne or a sparkling wine, um, which I... Right, uh, yeah, it, there's bubbles. Um, uh, anyway, I, I know that our listeners really care that, about... That'll be our even, even uh, fancier episode when we get the champagne bottles and we savor them open. But yeah, well, I do know how to do that, so I can teach you how to do it, and then we will uh, we'll double savor at the beginning of an episode at some point. Uh, if we ever reach, I don't know, 10,000 listens or something, we'll, we'll savor uh, <laughs> double savor bottles together. Uh, but anyway, Jeff... It's the time to start rating uh, the drinks that we've had, because I think we should rate them. Um, and sure. we do a rating system for beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, uh, and I think we should have a similar rating system for wine. Yeah, why not? Do wine not. You're right. Um, so this has nothing to do with how you are doing in arena and what tier you are in. However, uh, bronze wines are literally vinegar. Like they're trash. They're like, you can't drink them because they're, they've gone bad. Like the, this is the reason a bronze wine is the reason that they pour it into your glass at a restaurant before you taste it just to be like, <laughs> yes, it is actually wine, you know? Yeah. One day I just want to send it back, even if I liked it, just to have sent it back. Yeah, just to import it. And you know what all they're doing in the back is they're all tasting it, being like, this is totally fine. Like, yeah. that it, it, they shouldn't have sent it back. But anyway, uh, what are silver wines? Um, so silver wines are, they basically meet the definition of their style. They, they are what they are, and they have essentially nothing interesting going on beyond that. Yeah, they have alcohol, and that's nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> gold wines are, oh, that was fine. Um, I, uh, I liked some of the stuff that was going on with the bottle. I won't really want to drink it again, probably. Um, it's, uh, it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, it might end up being opened at some point in my life, but I won't do it really on purpose. Yeah. Platinum is, uh, you know, sort of the inverse. It was solid and you would seek it out to drink again. Mm -hmm. uh, not mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, Diamond is, ooh, this is one of our go-tos. Like, I love this wine. It's definitely, it's not the best wine I've ever had, but it's one that I'll like pick up and be like, remember this one? This is the one that we had with your parents and like we had the spaghetti or whatever. Like, that's the wine that you're like, I will keep bringing this up all the time and you drink it often. Yeah. And then Mythic is the top tier. This is the best wine you know, this is among the best wines that you've had that's available, and you recommend it to anyone who will listen. You'll give them a 20-minute lecture of why it's, the, why it's the best wine they yeah. can buy. This is the one that you drink at your graduation and the one that you wish you could afford all the time, but you can't. Um, or <laughs> yeah. if you could, it wouldn't be special anymore, so that's why you make sure that it's, like, special. Um, with that being said, Jeff, uh, I am interested to hear about your wine and also just your um, your experience. Uh, first of all, before we get into your actual wine, is there a wine that is mythic to you? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I've had wine that I thought was uh, really excellent, mm -hmm. but um, I can't like remember the name of a particular type of Bottle wine or something. Or For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to like just for everyone. I used to work at a wine pub. 
we were very chill, to be fair. It was called a wine pub because we had kegs of wine. I didn't have bottles that I was giving people. I like that. That would make it feel more approachable yeah. to people like me where most of my wine came out of a box. Exactly. So, so you would, yeah, exactly. You would have loved this spot. Um, we didn't have any stemware. Both of us are, have our fancy stems tonight just to feel fancy because of the wedding. Um, but we would drink wine out of uh, recycled wine bottles that had turned into glasses. It was very like... Hey, wine can be for every person, everyone, it doesn't matter. Um, let's teach people about wine, which is my, what I think wine should be because I like it as a drink and I think that there's a lot of stupid stigma around it that is not necessary and there's a lot of uh, upturned noses about stuff, which should for sure, yeah. be. Um, so I don't like that very much. So, um, but I love to hear everyone's idea about their different things. So. Jeff, um, how do you feel about the the bottle that you're drinking? The D, what was it called again? The Diabolica. Diabolica. It was it was fine. It's a bit sweet when I immediately drank it. Uh, I'm trying to see if they're, yeah, if they were gonna give me any tasting notes that I was supposed to hit, but they didn't really tell me anything about it. Um, yeah. But it's like, as soon as you take a sip, it almost tasted like, uh, like berry berry juice of some sort. Okay. Like it's very sweet and mm -hmm. bright uh, and tasted really fruity, um, which at first I was like, uh-oh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this whole thing because normally I wouldn't drink, uh, you know, a liter of berry juice, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but it started to grow on me after a while. Like, I think that initial shock of like the sweetness to the palate kind of toned down after a bit and then it started to mellow out a bit. Um, that being said, while I did overall probably enjoy the bottle, I don't think I'd ever get it again. Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, that makes it gold. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I obviously, so this is interesting. We've never done an episode where we didn't both taste the <laughs> thing. So I really have no uh, opinion about your bottle, um, mm -hmm. which is funny. Um, but uh, but yeah, that makes sense for what it was. Obviously, we were we were getting them because they uh, had names that we liked, um, which is a perfectly good reason to buy something. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's also important to remember uh, the other parts of it because then you just don't want to buy that forever just because you liked the name, but then you didn't actually like the wine. Gold for yours. I feel pretty similarly with my bottle that was a low-end Shiraz. So for me, so... Little wine trivia for you. Uh, the varietal Shiraz um, is also the same as Syrah. So if you're drinking Shiraz or Syrah, it's the same grape. It just depends on what country you're getting the grapes from. And that will change the name of it, quote unquote. But it's literally the same thing. Like it doesn't matter. Um, and traditionally Shiraz is from Australia. And uh, Syrah will, the, the, it's a grape that likes to grow in like really hot places. Um, and what happens is that when the grapes get really hot during the day, then they um, start to develop and that will make a lot of um, basically sugar. And then at the, at, at night they'll start to go down and they'll, they'll uh, have really thick skins. So when you have a lot of sugar in your wine and then the skins are really thick, the skin is what gives the tannins, which is the really dark color and the like kind of tanniny flavor. And uh, if there's a lot of sugar when you um, start to use it and there's a lot of juice, 
that will become alcohol and make it really uh, big bodied and like uh, it's going to punch you. Sure. So most, yeah. yeah, exactly. So most of the time I really like Syrahs and they always grow in these really hot climates. So I, it's a varietal that I always look for. And if you want a wine that punches you in the face, a Syrah or a Petit Syrah is usually what I suggest to people. And they tend to grow in like Argentina and like South Africa and Australia and like certain parts of like Italy and France. Um, with that being said, this one is uh, underwhelming. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I, I, I'm going to, I'm in gold probably with you. It's, 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 uh, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's not like I didn't enjoy it. But yeah. It's wine. I always like drinking wine. Um, I also like drinking beer. I like drinking lots of things. I like, there's a yeah. lot of things that I like about the world and this bottle is fine. Um, right. <laughs> uh, so. It's interesting about Syrahs though. I, I might keep an eye out for them next time. It I think it's. like a type that I would uh, look for. Yeah. It's, um, there's a lot of interesting stories about different uh, varietals, but um, I, after working at this wine pub that I think that you would have enjoyed, I realized that uh, big bodied wines is what I wanted. And Syrahs were usually the ones that turned my mouth purple fastest and they are high in alcohol and really uh, like punchy. Um, and in Canada, nice. there are some really wonderful Pinot Noirs and really delicate flavors. While I really want, I need a really hot climate. Yeah. Uh, to, to give you something really uh, gnarly like this. Because like, that's how I like my stouts, too. I like the ones that punch you in the mouth mm -hmm. way better than the ones that are like delicate notes of chocolate and cocoa. Like, exactly. It's not like I don't like those ones, but I really love the ones where the first sip is like you got punched in the mouth. Exactly. So um, those are usually the ones where like you, you're like, oh, I, like all the, all the moisture in my mouth is gone and something yeah. else is going on. That's usually what I'm looking for. Um, and this bottle didn't really do it for me, but uh, I will continue to look in the similar regions um, of McLaren Vale, Australia. So, but that is what we think about these wines. Our first, mm -hmm. our first rating of wines. Uh, how fun. Um, because it's, Hopefully not our last. I mean, maybe it might be our last. But I mean, when they return to Innistrad next, we'll, we'll do it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, or maybe there will be a reason we'll do it for another set um, uh, where where it makes sense to, to drink wine. Because there's whenever they bring blood tokens back, there we go. Whenever, if blood tokens come back, we have to drink wine. Um, but okay. yeah, that, that sounds good to me. All right, but Jeff... I'm sad to say, I think it's closing time. Closing time? Man, mm -hmm. I thought this wine bar never closed. I, it, it does. It closes at a, an appropriate hour uh, so that people can get home safely. Um, but uh, if you ever want to talk to us about wines that you like, uh, all the things that you, you want to say, hey, Zach, you don't know actually anything about wine and everything you just said is bullshit and not real, um, you can... <laughs> Find me, actually, you can find us at Every Regulars on Twitter and Instagram, but you can also find me personally at Zulberg on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's Z E U L B E R G. But uh, Jeff, if we're on Arena, can you find us? Do we play on Arena? <laughs> 
I don't know if that's how Arena works, that you can actually, like, find somebody. Mm -hmm. But you might run into us, I guess. Our username is Arena Regulars Podcast. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Also, Jeff, um, if people want to talk to you personally and give you some lessons on wine or, or give you some recommendations, where can they find you? Oh, yeah. Feel free to tell me I know nothing about wine or magic. That, that's fine, too. <laughs> I just want to hear it. Um, always, always happy to learn. Uh, you can find me at Blues Brews MTG on Twitter, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. Also, please leave us a review. If you liked this episode or anything that we have ever done, we would love to hear your feedback. It means a lot to us, and we would just like to connect with anyone. So go on Apple Podcasts, go on iTunes, um, follow us on Spotify and Stitcher, go to our Anchor account, um, find us on a YouTube, uh, leave us a comment, or literally anything. Uh, we'd love to, uh, to connect with you. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you. That if you hate wine, we are still a beer podcast, so you can check back in next week. Good night. All right, that's fine. <laughs>